to Beer Me. I am your host, Sarah Jane. Every week, I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world, from brewers, importers, educators. This will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. I'm very excited. This week, we get to welcome on the show Charles Garia. He is the director of Seabrew Ventures. Seabrew is Asia's premier annual conference and trade fair for the brewing community. Charles, thank you again for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I understand that you were calling in from the UK. Yeah, well, thanks very much for having me, Sarah. It's lovely to be here. Looking forward to this chat with you. Yeah, I am. I've just got back from Singapore. I lived for 22 years in Singapore and recently moved back to the UK. But the plan is to move back out of Singapore again in the next few years. So just for family reasons, we moved back to the UK. It's been, even before the pandemic, it was fun because commuting out to Asia is a fairly long commute for, for anybody. Yeah, that's a, that's a long that's a long road there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But about, I mean, the pandemic's been fantastic. I mean, in terms of that, because I've spent more time at home, you know, a bit more time with the family. So yeah, looking forward to getting back out on the road again and getting around the region. So before we dive into everything you do, I want to get a little bit of background on how you got into the beer world and, you know, kind of what was your introduction and, you know, how you kind of got where you are today. Well, I kind of fell into it really as a, I guess a little bit by mistake. I was backpacking around the world after finishing university and ended up in Hong Kong. The easiest job to get up in Hong Kong at the time, this is this is back in the early 90s, was in the bar industry. So I started in Hong Kong, uh, 93, I think I got to Hong Kong, 93, 94. Then moved down to Singapore in 98 and again stayed in the bar industry. Then uh, started to set up my own bars. So we, we set up a small regulars hole in the wall. And then after that, we opened up a Belgian beer cafe which uh, then that was really when I got into, got into the beer, into the different, uh, different styles of beer, into craft beer. I would go annually, I'd, I'd have a pilgrimage to Belgium to go and try more beers and, and find beers to bring back to Singapore to, to sell in our, in our restaurant. That's what got me into beer, I guess, in depth into beer. After that, the things just developed. I helped out with Big Beer Festival in Singapore to run a beer awards program for them. And that then introduced me to a lot more people in the Asian beer community through judging beer up in Japan. We started a beer importing company into Singapore. I then started up a Singapore Craft Beer Week, which we started. We ran it for a couple of years and we realized we needed to run some of our own programs during that week. And hence we started Seabrew. We started in the back room of a small place, a brewery called Brewworks in Singapore. We had 75 people, I think, turn up to the first one. And the last one in Bangkok two years ago, we had over 800 people turn up. That's in probably four, four years, four, five years. Yeah, the industry is really growing in Asia. So it's, yeah, it's, I think we jumped on at the right time. You know? My wife might, might disagree with you. She might say, what on earth were you doing? You're crazy. What are 70 people? <laughs> so Seabrew itself, this annual conference for the brewing community in Asia, started out very, very small. It's grown significantly. What were some of the initial goals of the conference as this started out? Because you're in your sixth year, right? Yes, six. Well, it would be our seventh year this year, I think. Yeah, it's really about the community. It's about getting the community together, giving everybody a reason just to 
put their work gear down, come on out, gather with other members of the industry, share ideas. And there's very few opportunities in Asia at the moment for brewers to develop their skills because there's, there's very few brewing schools in the region. So what we do is we work with the suppliers as well as experts in the industry to take the opportunity to present new advances in technology, talk about different aspects of brewing with the brewers. So it's very much a multi-pronged focus that we, that we have. We want to bring a community together. We want to take that opportunity for them to learn more about their trade. Also, we can't discount the supplier side of it as well because at the moment in Asia there is limited supply of ingredients so what we try and do is we're we're trying to expose the suppliers to the brewers and say look there's something happening in Asia you you need to be here you need to give these brewers choices they have to be able to choose what ingredients they're going to use not just have a few limited ingredients so yeah they kind of work with everybody to bring everyone together. The industry itself is growing rapidly for sure and has been over the over the past couple of years. But you're saying that the shortage that brewers are experiencing, is this with just ingredients across the board, barley, hops, yeast, or are there particular things that are troublesome? It's the base ingredients, really. What we would like is for more distributors to realize what's happening in Asia. Not that Asia was late to the craft brewing party. I mean, it's just started at a different time. So the focus tends to be very much on Europe and America with the craft industry. But the industry is growing rapidly. And the more choices we can help bring into the region, and then the more choices the brewers have. One example would be fruit purees. So there's not a lot of supply for fruit purees. The brewers are having to go to the US to get purees from the US. And sometimes the the suppliers aren't aware of what's really happening in Asia. They don't know that the industry is growing rapidly, that there's potential for a huge demand. So that's kind of interesting to me because I think of a lot of the different countries in Asia and I feel like production, like thinking just about fruit itself, is so vibrant in those countries. As far as like a shortage of fruit puree makes me think, are the styles that are trying to be produced the styles that you would typically see in the U.S.? Or are there certain styles or certain ingredients where the different countries within Asia or the different producers are kind of trying to make it more their own? You're finding more and more brewers using the Asian products with the herbs, with the spices. Sometimes there is questions over the food grade of, of the fruit, whether, whether they're in the right form for the brewers to be using. And I think it's easy. It's easier for them to go to the US and find producers who are producing for the brewing industry and using their product because that comes with certain assurances. There are some fantastic beers being brewed using teas in Asia. And there's a great IPA in Vietnam. It's a jasmine IPA, probably one of the leading beers in Vietnam from Pasteur Street Brewing Company. They do a wheat as well. But yeah, but there's harder darkness in Vietnam to a kumquat pale ale, which is which is very nice. So they are playing around with ingredients as well. Yeah, fantastic variety. The fruit purees, for example, I think it's probably from sours. Yeah, it's very easy, a lot easier to just to get the puree and put it into your sour. But as far as like the styles go themselves, I mean, you've got, of course, the US is still in their hazy IPA world. Are there similar beer trends in Asia? Or there are certain styles that are really popular, you know, that just go better with cuisine, climate. 
I think Asia's still working out what the Asian style is. I and mean, there are so many different countries, so many different palettes. It's, it's very difficult to say there is a pan-Asian style. One brewer I know in China is bugbear is wheat beers. And he says, I wish Chinese would learn to drink something more than wheat beers. And they, uh, that's the flavor they like. Yeah. And he, he's, he's looking to try with different flavors and produce different beers. But it's a popular style. One of the misnomers at the moment is that Asians don't like bitter flavors, which I've, I've seen out of my, my latest trip in Singapore that uh, people are saying, oh, no, we have, to, we have to produce sweet beers because Asia doesn't have a bitter. They don't like the bitter flavor in beer, and that's why they're not drinking so much beer. Well, that sounds so counterintuitive considering there are so many bitter flavors in cuisines. Exactly. I mean, the biggest beer drinkers in the world, China, they're the biggest consumers in the world. If you go to any country in Asia, the dominant beer you'll find will be a lager. And typically, they have bitter notes. Singapore, for example, take Singapore, I've just come back from. Number one beer in Singapore will be Tiger Beer. It's a lager beer, but it still has that bitterness to it. And I kind of talk with the brewers and say, look, it's not about brewing beers sweeter. It's about maybe brewing them less bitter. So with your IPAs, with your pails, don't make them very heavily bittered IPAs that you might find in the US. Just tone it back a bit. You know, it doesn't mean you have to make it sweet. It means just make it less bitter. That's the key, I think, to unlocking the Asian craft industry. Because at the moment, I think the general estimates are the industry is only about 2% of the Asian beer industry. So there's a long way to go and there's a long way to grow. And it, it's trying to find what is going to be the style that's going to open up the industry what's going to lead to more acceptance of, of craft beers in the industry. And I, I think it's a lighter style, but just not so bitter. Now, kind of going back to the conference, you know, as far as using that space as a resource for the producers and the brewing community, what have been some of your most impactful seminars or guest speakers? What have been things that people have taken away that have been really, really impactful? One of the great things I've seen was John Palmer. So he's come and joined us a couple of times. John Palmer is he's a, a god among homebrewers. He's a, he co-wrote the water book for homebrewers. He wrote How to Brew. Very, very well-respected member of the brewing community. And for listeners, definitely check out the water book, but also Hops, Yeast. I mean, these are, these are some really phenomenal books to check out. And very easy to find for their titles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the, the, you just pop onto the Brewers Association. You can get the books through them. So he joined us for our second Seabrew in Singapore, which was kind of the first really international one we had. And he did his water talk. And there were so many baffled faces in the room. So this would have been back in 2016. And there was a lot of puzzled faces in the room. And they were just, yeah, well, what is, what's this guy talking about? Yeah, well, 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 what are all these equations on the screen? What's he throwing up? And then he came back and joined us two years later. And... Looking at the response two years later, the brewer's like, okay, no, okay, we know this, we, we, we get this, we understand this, we know what he's talking about. And that really showed the development within two years in the industry of what was going on. To me, that showed, okay, we're going the right direction. The industry is moving in the right direction. It's starting to pick up on these things. So, so he was great. He was fantastic to have on board. We also had one which, which was uh, a lad from a UK brewery called Four Pure. And he was one of the founders of Four Pure who looked after the marketing side of the business. And he spoke about how they developed the brand. They're based out of Bermondsey in London. 
he spoke about how they developed the brand, uh, kind of the initiatives they were doing, what worked for them and what didn't work for them. And one of the brewers who was in the audience came to me afterwards and she said, halfway through that talk, I got on my phone and I messaged my team and said, we're doing this wrong. We've got to look at a different way of how we're trying to market our product. It's fantastic to, to hear the brewers are talking and making an instant impact with their presentations. Now, I was actually going to ask a little bit about the craft beer marketing that happens and kind of the, the experience that people get at these breweries. Is there a similar approach to breweries in the U.S. or is it, is it different? The, the difference that I imagine would be is a lot of the breweries in the U.S. will have different departments. So they'll have a brewing department, they'll have a marketing department. The marketing department will be out going around, going around the market, reporting back to, back to the brewers, and they'll work together in tandem to kind of come up with different flavors, different beers, uh, different kind of marketing promotions. Yeah, but, but, but the marketing is, tends to be done by a different departments. A lot of the breweries in Asia are very small breweries. So you tend to have the brewers who are actually also responsible for sales and marketing as well, which becomes very different. They're two very different disciplines. Some of the stuff that we do is we try and just kind of help them along that way. So, you know, if you are a small brewery owner and you may have been a brewer who's taken a step up to, to an owner, you certainly have to have a skill set. You, not only do you have to oversee the brewing, so you're a brewer, you have to oversee the sales and marketing. So you've got to be a marketing guru. And also you've got to be able to run a business as well. Some of the talks at the, at the conference and also some of the stuff we do online as well, we just try and give them hints. Here's a quick win. Here's an easy way to do this. To me, that kind of strikes as one of the main differences. And the industry here as well is still working itself out. We're starting to see some larger breweries move into the market um, and to be set up. And they would have a lot more funding behind them. So they would then have a marketing department, a production department. I think for the marketing side of things, it it is still quite difficult because I think if you take the Philippines, for example, there's a lot of one, two man breweries out there who have to do a full day in the brew house and then go out and try and sell their beer afterwards as well. So it's, it's tough. It's, it's still a very tough market. And obviously the last year and a half hasn't helped. No, certainly not. And I was going to ask, are, are a lot of the craft beers being purchased more in bars or are you seeing them in stores or are people going to the breweries themselves? A lot of it tends to be in the bars. A lot of sales is through tap rooms. Some breweries are getting their beers into convenience stores and supermarkets. I think one of the one of the problems is because a lot of the countries are tropical and subtropical, it's hot all the time. The brewers aren't pasteurizing. There's issues with shelf stability. They're not doing a very strong filtration. A lot of them don't have filters. So they're not doing good heavy filtration or pasteurizing their beers. Then it becomes a quality issue on shelving. It's still a slow progress getting getting beers onto the shelf around the region. So so yeah, a lot of the breweries have been hit because of uh, because they, they serve through tap rooms. A lot of tap rooms have been closed uh, for the last year and a half. So. But the breweries that are you know maybe larger, maybe more established, do they ever open like tap rooms or you know do brewery tours or have people come in or is that kind of experience part of their goal? I think it's part of the goal, but I don't think there's many that are doing it. There's a few who have started. Uh, there's a new brewery in Singapore called Brewlander, which they, they just set up last year. They are starting brewery tours. A lot of the breweries tend to be 
quite a distance out of the city. So, so if you're looking at some of the, the huge cities like uh, Ho Chi Minh, uh, Manila, it can take a long time to get out to the breweries. So they're not so convenient just to pop to the brewery and, and go and join the brewery tour. You know, it might take you, even though it's 20 miles, 30 miles, it could take you two hours to get there or two and a half hours to get there. I went on a trip to Manila. There, there's a, a fantastic brewery called Encanto outside of Manila. And yeah, I think it's 20 miles from, from the center. But yeah, we needed, we needed some beers on the coach to get us back into town. It was, <laughs> with, the, with the traffic in Manila, it's a long way. <laughs> I mean, you, you see that also in the U.S. You see a lot of breweries, you know, because a lot of times they need space that isn't quite as expensive. So that requires them to go a little bit outside the city or, you know, to areas that are maybe a little more industrial. But then you see communities kind of sprout up around those breweries and definitely benefit from that presence. Uh, I think you're right. They, they certainly do. And you know, so some of the breweries will set up tap rooms in the city itself. You've got several in Vietnam because they brew so far outside of Ho Chi Minh, they'll then set up a tap room in town. And then as far as the community in general and, and how many things are changing and and how many things are, you know, kind of in the recovery mode from COVID. Is there anything that you've taken away over the past couple of months that has just been really exciting to you? You know, either something that's been recently developed or something that's coming back that that is really exciting? I think it's just kind of just a general, the dynamism of the industry. I was in touch with a brewery up in Hanoi just a couple of days ago. And they've literally gone into a, gone into a lockdown. I think last week they went into another lockdown. And Vietnam was doing okay, actually, up until about three months ago. And, and then they, they've seen another spike come on. But he's like, oh, we've, we've been doing research and you know, we've, we're ready. We've got some products to come out you know, later this year, stuff in time for Christmas. So there is still R&D going on. And I think because the brewers have got a lot of time to do their R&D now, I think there's going to be a lot of exciting beers pop onto the market once, once things do pick up. I'm looking forward to it. I just think it, it's a really, it's still a very young industry. So there's a lot of dynamism, dynamism in it. And it's, it's got a long way to go. And once, once things do pick up in the next, you know, hopefully in the next six to eight months, it's really going to take off. There's going to be so much going on. So I'm going to ask you a couple of less serious questions as we wrap up here. So first and foremost, what beer did you hold near and dear to your heart throughout this pandemic? What, what, what helped you get through it? <laughs> Well, I've been because I've been stuck in the UK for a lot of it. I have a friend who opened up a brewery in Melton Mowbray, which is kind of in the centre of of England, uh, called Round Corner Brewing. And he used to brew in Singapore. So he's an Irish lad who used to brew in Singapore, and he brews fantastic beer. I, I love his beers; they're absolutely brilliant. And they they obviously went online as soon as this pandemic kicked in. So straight online. Sh- Get in there, get a mixed case, and yeah, that, that kept me going. He's he's brewed some uh, some spectacular beers over over lockdown, and the odd bottle of wine as well. But the uh, odd <laughs> bottle of wine, and then as things, I mean, we're looking at new uh, numbers climbing and things like that. But one day, when you can visit any brewery in the world, what brewery would you want to go back to? One day, oh. oh. Oh, Matt, there's, there's too many breweries. You can't, it's not fair. It's not fair to ask me one brewery. How am, I, how am I supposed to answer that? I would say more a city than a brewery. I, I love my trips to uh, Ho Chi Minh. 
uh, sort of Saigon, as the locals will call it, because uh, there's so much going on there. There's, it's a really dynamic city, very much an upstart city, which I think really embodies the whole craft beer culture. It's a dynamic city, and there's so much happening, and there's spectacular food culture there. There's there's all the beers as well. There's this amazing tap room in the middle of uh, Saigon called East West Brewing Company. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the shop houses in Vietnam. They're very thin. They're very thin and long and maybe three or four stories tall. And they've taken up two units and opened it up. And there's at the back of the tap room, they've got the brewery on two floors that you see. It just looms over the entire tap room and it's absolutely spectacular, right in the heart of the city. And yeah, just just going in there, and even even sitting out on the street, having one the you know one the local big beers on the street. You know, it's, it's there's a vibe there, which is which is uh, I'm looking forward to getting back to that. Charles, thank you so much for taking the time. I greatly appreciate it. Now I know that the Seabrew Conference is going to be November fourth through the fifth in Taipei. Is there any way for people to experience any part of it virtually? We're not sure at the moment, unfortunately, we're not sure whether we're going to be able to hold it in person because a lot of the countries in, in Asia have still kept their borders closed. If not, then we will be doing a virtual version. So, so we'll be doing a virtual, it'll be fully online. We're looking at the moment at how we can do that, what we can do. All the updates will be on our website, so www.c-brew.com or through the Asia Brewers Network. Yeah, so I'll log on, find out what's going on. All our webinars that we do, they're open to anybody to come in and join in. It's part of the community. Just come on in, jump on a webinar, jump in a discussion group. You know, we, we love to hear from people all over the world. It gives a real perspective on what's going on around the world and in Asia as well. Nice. Thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for having me. This has been fantastic. It's been lovely talking with you, Sarah. Well, this has been Beer Me. Check us out on Instagram at Beer Me Radio. Any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to reach out at beermeradio at gmail.com. And please listen anywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, etc. Please give us all the stars and all the comments and subscribe. We will catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers.